DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk BYU football right now with the former receiver, Dylan Colley. Dylan, good morning. Morning. How we doing? Good. I'd like to throw you a curveball right out of the gate, and I don't know if you've watched the game or seen him play, but uh, I have watched several Nevada, at least parts of several Nevada football games, if not all of them, and there's a wide receiver named Romeo Dubs who is making one big play after another. And I wonder, uh, him specifically, or receivers in generally, when you see a guy who's awesome with the deep ball, is he really a good receiver, or is he athletically better than everybody? And you got to be careful projecting him to the next level because of that. Uh, there's, there's multiple opinions on that, right? And I think you see where the threat of the downfield speed, right? Uh, as coaches will always recruiting, can't teach speed, can't teach size, right? And so when someone has uh, the ability to kind of stretch the field over the top, uh, you kind of have that foundation of, you know, a little bit of a, right, like that, that's the guy that people want to go after, right? He, go, he passes that type of eye test. Now, I think in order to truly be a complete receiver, we need to be able to see what you can do underneath. And I think that's what, you know, you look at a guy like uh, Julio Jones, you look at a guy like Mike Thomas, you look at a guy like Tyreek Hill, right, where it's, uh, these guys have were founded on the deep ball and being able to stretch the field but are still just as big of a threat coming across the middle and in, in the underneath routes where they can make even big plays that way. So I think that's the true definition of a receiver. Um, but – you know, when a guy can take it off the top, uh, that does nothing but benefit a team. So we had yesterday, we had Dennis Dodd on. He's national college football writer for CBS Sports. And he said that he thought Romney and Mill could play with anybody in the country. First of all, how cool is it that we're thinking about that from a BYU perspective? And how much do you agree with that? I, I 100% agree with that. I think Jackson got are, uh, and, and we've talked about this all season, right? I think they both share traits that together make them, I mean, I think statistically today, right? The best duo in the country. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, right, you look at the physicality, the strength, the sheer ability to go up and get it that Gunner has, um, and, and his physicality, right, is kind of un. And then you look at the one-on-one capability of Dax Mill. And I've said this before, I don't think that there is another receiver um, that I've been around who, in press coverage, man-to-man, is as dynamic as, as Dax is. He's un- like unbelievable off the line. His routes are uh, really just kind of absurd. And I think you know a lot of people may give it credit to, well, he's a walk-on, and so it's just surprising to everybody, but uh, ultimately, the dude's a phenomenal receiver, and him and Gunner uh, together, uh, I completely agree. How many walk-ons could really do this and they don't get their chance? The scholarship guys always get the opportunity over them. Are, are there more guys out there who could do it? Uh, I, I mean, at the level that he's done it, I don't think so. I mean, you do have, right, I, like similar situation to you got look at a guy like Cooper Cup, 
right, who could have walked on to an FBS school but decided to go to a D1AA FCS school um, and is performing in the NFL as if he was one of the best Division One FBS receivers in the country, right? And so when you look at it that way, it's kind of hard to, to detail. What Dax did, okay, to just walk on after having offers at a D1AA is, one, an extremely risky move. Um, where you have to have the confidence that you are going to play. You have to trust the coaches. And I, I think that does a lot to not only Dax's trust, but to what Fessy said, to what A-Rod said, and to what Kalani said. Um, and that was, hey, if you perform, right, we're going to put you on scholarship. I can honestly tell you I have never heard of another time where a walk-on has come on, been promised a scholarship for the following year, and that's actually come through. A lot of people and a lot of coaches – will normally kind of hope and pray that that slides by the wayside and gets forgotten about. And even as, you know, that, that topic is brought up and people talk and, and, you know, a player comes to the coach's office, there's generally always an excuse. And so um, Jax, the coaching staff, the program, I mean, really came together to, to make that happen and, and make it a possibility. I don't think that happens with any other, you know, real walk-ons across the country. But you look at Cooper Cup. You look at Deontay Harris for the New Orleans Saints, someone that could have walked on to a, D, uh, a Division One FBS but performed at the Division Two level at Assumption College and is now probably looking at being a back-to-back Pro Bowl receiver as an uh, undrafted free agent right, for the New Orleans Saints. So these cases do happen, but it is very, very rare. So when you lose, the coaches take a lot of grief, and when you win, the coaches get a lot of praise. And you've already mentioned Fessy Sataki, the receivers coach. You've played for a number of them. Your family has been pretty much a family of receivers and coaching and camps and all that stuff. What makes a good receivers coach? Yeah, I think, the one, the understanding of the offense as a whole, and that's every single position, and that's where Fess, does such a phenomenal job and why he's such a great hire is simply because of his understanding and ability as an offensive coordinator, right? He's not thinking on one level, like a lot of receivers coaches do. A lot of receivers coaches are thinking just about the position. Um, whereas Fessy's in a position where he's thinking about the offensive line. He's thinking about the quarterback's reads. He's thinking about the blocking of the running back, right? So he has this overarching thing. I think that is one of the most important facets to a receivers coach and what makes a receivers coach are really, really good. And then the second is just understanding technique and how to truly teach a receiver the game uh, and, and and the actual position and the mechanics of it. And, you know, he does he does a very, very good job of that. I think the one thing that Fess carries over a lot of receivers coaches is is his ability to understand, you know, the, the big picture. Um, and that's another site that's just kind of rare. So what has clicked in for Gunnar Romney and Dax Milne this year that they have taken off like this? Uh, I mean, pretty simply put, you have an extremely good relationship with your quarterback being the first and foremost, right? Your biggest priorities when you come into college football is, one, you have a relationship with your quarterback, and two, you have a relationship with the equipment guys. Right, because if you're not nice to the quarterback, you're not going to get any balls, and if you're not nice to the equipment guys, you're not going to get any gear. Uh, so, so those are the two two most important relationships that you need to keep. And then the second is just having an offense that really surrounds uh, everybody's strengths. Um, 
and being in that system for what is now three years and a lot, right? A lot of football in three years. The last time that we saw a very successful receiving core, right? Where everybody across the board making plays and, and things like you see today was, you know, obviously probably 2009, 2010, when you saw the same offense over a good amount of years, right? You had comfort in the personnel. You trusted everyone around you. At that point, the game becomes so slow that you can just take advantage of any defense that comes by. And that's what these guys are doing right now is just absolutely taking advantage of these defenses because they know this offense and understand the schemes like the back of their hand. So during that time that you referenced 10, 11, 12 years ago, they had a really good tight end in Pitta, and they had your brother, and some really some big-time players. I wanted to talk to you about Isaac Rex. How big-time is he individually as opposed from being able to benefit from this great combination of Romney and Mill? Uh, 100%. I mean, it's not just his size. It's his athletic ability, right? And, and Isaac is someone that, uh, you know, I think I, I don't know if you guys heard the story. He, he grew up in Eldorado Hills. Uh, with us in Sacramento before they moved down to San Clemente um, and spent a lot of time with our family. I babysat both Isaac and Preston uh, as a young middle school and high school kid. And so, um, you know, I've been around him for a very, very long time and love that family with, you know, with a lot. Um, Isaac is an extremely dynamic tight end, very similar to Dennis because he has the receiving capability, right? He can run a route, he can block, he's physical, um, and then you look at what receivers doing on the outside. It's very hard to, you know, say, Hey, we're going to work on maintaining the middle and we're going to maintain the outside. <laughs> There's just not a lot of defenses and the defenses that BYU has gone again this year are, you know, they're definitely not capable of playing both in and out. So, uh, not only is Isaac an absolute freak, but, you know, schematically the, the system's really made for him. Uh, I think everybody who's a BYU fan watched the Taysom Hill game Sunday. And I am curious yeah. your take uh, for a guy who had accuracy issues at BYU, only five incomplete passes, at least one, maybe two of them were drops off the top of my head. Yep. And the game plan also seemed to be really tailored to his skill set. And I'm wondering how much longer they can do that. How much tape do defenses have to have on a quarterback before they say, we're taking away what you do best. Let's see if you can do this over here. I mean, I I think you do that. I think I think defenses are going to try, right, and do that within a week. I think that defenses are good enough to do that in the NFL. At least they should be. That's why they get paid the big bucks. But I also think that Sean Payton and that New Orleans staff is uh, even better right? And a majority of the, of the defense of the NFL, that's why they're a top tier team every single year. And so although the game plan, although the scheme is very different and there are flaws that Taysom does have, everyone knows that he knows that, right? But he's continuing to work. And the expectation isn't for him to go and be a Drew Brees. The expectation is for him to be Taysom Hill for right now. And then we'll continue to work on right. Those ins and outs of being a full-time starting quarterback. Right now, the weapons that New Orleans has in their arsenal, 
I think it's very, very difficult just to say, hey, if, you, if we stop Taysom Hill on his feet, right, we can close everything else down. When you have Michael Thomas, right, Daniel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, you know, Traquan Smith, you have all of these weapons that, hey, we can do, you know, screen after screen. We can do, uh, you know, power run game after power run game. There's too much to their offense that truly just says, hey, we need to limit Taysom Hill. I don't think that's on anyone's first priority. And so they'll continue to play within that system, you know, uh, until someone can actually stop it in terms of getting wins because it's a temporary thing, and then they'll think long-term after this. How crazy is it to think that Taysom Hill did not get drafted? <laughs> I mean, uh, the guy, like, outside, the, the crazy part is, and we talked about it all week, the media has talked about it all week, is the fact that he had four season-ending injuries. Like, what happened to his body is probably the, is crazier than him not being drafted. His injuries were not, you know, his injuries would end, would have ended a lot of careers. And I'm, I bet if you went and looked and looked at all four of those season-ending injuries, how many key players have just never performed since? I mean, the numbers are probably astronomical. So for the, his ability and his truly, like, athletic freakness, there's no one. Nobody I know more athletic than Taysom Hill. Uh, for him to be able to come back and then perform at the level that he does every week in the NFL is absolutely absurd. How blown away were you when he started to run and there were three guys that he had to beat to the pylon and he outran them all, turned the corner and beat them all to the pylon for that last TD? I, I mean, blown away is a tough one just because I've seen it and, and you expect that from Taysom, right? And so it's just kind of like, well, there's Taysom being Taysom. If Taysom hurdles somebody, there's Taysom being Taysom, you know. Now, if we were to say, hey, let's see Taysom, you know, I'd be the, – the blown away part is, hey, let's see Taysom hit, right, the three different levels of the pass game consistently, right, week in and week out. That's where you start to see – that's where as soon as he can start doing that on a consistent level – that's when you'll start to see people blown away, and then you really don't have a game plan for him, and I genuinely believe that he's capable of doing that. So he brings, as an ex-Cougar, the Cougar program, football program, a lot of run. There's a bunch of guys who have been in the NFL, Warner, Taki Taki with the pick six on Saturday, and you know, with them being undefeated, getting so much love nationally. Uh, we've seen a bunch of guys lds kids not go to byu you think we start mm-hmm. seeing that tide turn is it going to be a problem not i don't know if problem is a word but an issue going forward and just we got to live with it uh i mean yes i i do think we're going to continue to see right a drop off in the amount of you know uh, i think we're going to see lds kids disperse which in my opinion, is phenomenal, right? I think that that's so much better for the culture of the church to be able to have, right, instead of where it just may have been parents saying, nope, you're just going to BYU because that's the right decision, right? Now, the kind of we're trusting in the church is in a position where it's like, hey, (laughs) we've set things up and the gospel has been set up in a way 
to where you can go and feel comfortable being yourself in any environment, right? So I think that's a huge part of it. On the opposite end for recruiting, with all of this hype, it is very hard to see BYU in the top 10. It's very hard to see the success that all of these guys are having in the NFL. It's kind of difficult to even be a non-member and say, oof, I don't know if I want to go to BYU, right? Like, <laughs> there is way too much upside right now, and I think it will continue. And I think the recruiting efforts are in a very good place at BYU to where, you know, yes, the loss of top LDS players could be detrimental. In turn, I think we're opening ourselves up for, you know, non-LDS guys who are capable of playing at the highest level, right, will start migrating and coming to BYU. Dylan Colley joining us here. Uh, I'm curious, uh, we, we got to get into the scheduling thing, I guess, at some point. Um I, I first heard that uh, Kyle Winningham on Saturday night say we're going to find out who we play hopefully tomorrow, which, of course, didn't pan out. But that made me think that, well, he knew ASU and Washington State were in trouble and he thought they'd be playing Washington. So an old BYU-Washington mm-hmm. thing came up. I didn't really take it seriously. Then I checked Twitter and found out, wow, BYU lightning rod. <laughs> it still works. There's lightning. There's yep. thunder. Um, but set all that aside, is BYU – fundamentally differently prepared to play Washington this year than a year ago. Granted, Washington's got different players and a different coach, and, you know, it's a year later yeah. for them too. But BYU yeah, dominated at home by Washington. How much confidence do you have in them going to Washington if that were to happen, which I've never really thought was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I obviously it would be a very, very tough game. It would be a very, very tough situation, especially on one week's notice, right? But uh, I think the level – that this team is playing at the talent that they have, uh, it would be an extremely, extremely good game. And it would be a tough test. Do I think that they, you know, BYU extremely capable of, of winning that football game. And it would be a very good football game. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I would, I, I feel very, very confident, right. That that wouldn't be a game that we truly would need to be tucking our tails for. But with some open dates and some games to be played, what can the team do to make sure it doesn't lose its edge? And that's that's a very very tough question. That that is uh, something that you see, right? That's that's the true test of a coaching staff. That's a true test of a program. It's how well can you stay fine tuned with only playing two games in, you know, two three months. Um, that's a very difficult task. It's not something that you have to do very often, right, to stay in-season mode with that type of gap. But, you know, there's just, I think, it, it really rides a lot on, on how the staff plans for it and how the players kind of execute that plan in terms of how much time are you spending studying film, how much time are you giving yourself is kind of like, okay, let me relax for a little bit, right, but not getting to that point where, you've completely lost focus on the season and, you know, it takes you two weeks to kind of ramp back up. Um, And so I I don't know. I don't know what the best avenue would be there, Uh, but I do believe that it would take a a ton of work to stay, to stay that sharp. Dylan, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Good to talk to you. And we'll talk to you again in another week. 
Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much.